Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Titans. Joe Rexrode, Eric Bacharach, and our boss Tommy Dees. Do I have to introduce you as our boss every every one you of these? May, you may you have my permission. I thought we were talking Tannehill. Who talking Tannehill? Is that the new podcast name? We, yeah, we could make this, this episode is talking Tannehill. We will talk a lot of Ryan Tannehill in this episode, and we're going to talk about all the free agency moves for the Titans. I thought, guys, pretty darn like a good solid. Free agency period for John Robinson, not a super splashy one. And I know some people want splashy moves, but I, I think he made the Titans better. I want us to let's let's start with that. I mm-hmm. want us to rank the moves. So I'm talking new acquisitions because they, they re-signed Kenny Vaccaro, right. Jonathan Sip. Oh my gosh, Jonathan Cyprian is gone. This is sorry, it's March Badness. <laughs> He's gone. Um, I think that was a no-brainer move. But four, I think, significant new acquisitions. So Titans beat writer Eric Bacharach, I want you to rank them first. Number one for me, uh, I think far and away, and, and not to sort of undervalue what the other moves were, but I think add, adding Roger Saffold, for me, just with how big a need interior offensive line is, that to me is, is, is the move. You know, because he was the top guard on the market. He's somebody that, you know, when I saw the list of guys that were available, he was sort of the dream acquisition, and they got him. I think he's got to be number one. Then probably Adam Humphreys. You know, I think he's going to add an element to this offense that definitely wasn't here last year. Uh, You know, you pair him sort of with Delaney Walker just on uh, giving Marcus these sort of quick out guys that can really help move the chains. You know, I think it adds a, a really fundamental part to the offense. And then you give, you know, Corey Davis and, uh, you know, I'm not ready to write off Taylor Taylor or Tajay Sharp by any means. I think the offense has a chance when you put him in that offense. Then probably Ryan Tannehill, just because, you know, we know that backup quarterback is a really important position on this team. Marcus has not played an entire full 16-game schedule yet. You know, I think he's a strong case to be made for being the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And then, I, I, you know, Cameron Wake would probably be fourth, but I think it's a really solid signing in itself for no other reason than, you know, he's a guy that is 37, but a really proven producer, even, you know, in the past couple years. And then you add this sort of veteran presence for guys like Sharif Finch, Harold Landry. I think that, you know, there's a ton of value in that, too. So I think all across the board, just a really, really solid uh, free agency for for John Robinson just through the first first period here. Well, I completely agree with everything you said. My ranking is exactly the same. Tommy, you are the one we're counting on to be different here. Adam Humphrey is your your five star. Okay. He's your number one. Okay, because okay, they did need to address the offensive line. I don't mean to underplay that they did that. I, I, first of all, here's a question: Are you a better team now than you were a couple of weeks ago? And they are. Mm-hmm. And I think four for four across the board, those are all contributors. One of them's probably a one-year guy because he's an older guy, but he might can lend that veteran presence. But Humphrey, 
will make this offense go better. First of all, he fits into what I think they want to do, which is short, quick hitting, right. pop, 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 get the ball out of his hands, which you've got to do to protect him anyway. And, and maybe you've added some protection even at the guard spot from interior rush. But Adam Humphrey, to me, is an upside guy. Like, I thought when I saw that he was a free agent, I thought somebody's going to grab him, and, and people are going to realize two years from now that that was a great grab. Because I really, really think if they utilize him properly, he's a guy who's probably going to lead this team in catches. Maybe not yards, but catches. And and what the Titans struggle with, I think, at times this past season, and, and at crucial times, is moving the chains. You know, there are way too many three and outs. And and getting behind the chain, so now it's you know second and second and ten, and now it's you know third and nine, and he's a guy who a can solve those second and tens and third and nine, but mainly on first down if you get the ball in his hands, he can he can shorten those. So so those two I would switch. They, okay. they were I think fifteenth or sixteenth in the league in third down percentage this season, and one of the examples I used in the story I wrote on Humphreys was the Jets game where they start zero for ten on third down. And then they convert on their 11th third down try, which is the game winner to Corey Davis in that Jets game. But when you have, you know, a guy like Adam Humphreys in there, you know, that should not happen, you know, in any sort of stretch where you go over 10 on third down, just because you have that guy that is able to move the chains in those third and short situations. Well, and remember Delaney Walker, too. So right, you right. bring him and Humphreys back, or, you know, bring him back, bring Humphreys in. Now, all of a sudden, you like Mariota's. Uh, assortment of possibilities a lot better i still i love saffold first though because he's he's a powerful run blocking lineman i mean i think look it's clear a powerful running back to go with you yeah Yeah, right yeah right (laughs) if only uh well dan lewis he runs with some power Uh, but you know and i think clearly this is uh, a move saying hey you know derrick henry's coming downhill at you this year but also i mean i just think I think we all saw, like in 2017, there was such excitement about the continuity from 16 to 17 with the offensive line, and it just didn't work out in 17 for a variety of reasons, but I think the main reason is just the interior was not very good. Josh Klein is gone. He he needed to be gone. Quentin Spain, um, as of this recording, has not signed with someone else, but I mean, I think it's pretty clear that they... He's you know, he, there, he's right being on. replaced. And Ben Jones, to me, you know, I mean, I think he's struggled increasingly since he's gotten here, too. I think he was really important, really good in that 2016 season. I still think in the draft we might be seeing more to address that. But I think that's a great move. And if I, if I get into a brawl at Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, I want Ben Jones on my side. But I agree he has not been as productive as you needed him to be. Yeah, I mean, just in, in pass protection in, in particular, you know, of course, he he has had some struggles. But, you know, it's also you feel great. I know that they love him in the locker room and they love him as a, go, as a guy who sees things, calls the right protections, all that stuff that you have to do at center. So it's not like it's an absolute, you know, huge red flag, got to replace this guy. But I think if they brought in another young player – I could see that being a transition. And, you know, maybe Corey Levin is a guy they feel like is ready to mm-hmm. elevate. I would not – I think that's part of the thing you have to talk about here. Also on the offensive line, I'd like to bring in an argument Tommy and I have had <laughs> off the air because, of course, there has been talk about something that I don't think is feasible or realistic, and that is the Jack Conklin moving to guard talk. And, I, of course, when you look at Dennis Kelly and what he's done in relief, he's been very good. He is not as good as Jack Conklin. 
the the biggest question of all this is Jack Conklin getting back healthy. But to me, Jack Conklin, assuming there are no more setbacks, is this team's right tackle and, if healthy, one of the best in the NFL. Argue with me, Tommy. <laughs> well, let's see what if healthy means. Um, maybe he's just never been healthy since his rookie year. But he is what he is. And, and I don't think he was the better right tackle when I saw them play. When Kelly came in, they got more productive. Uh, in his absence, in my opinion. And I think that's directly attributable to him being better. I still think Conklin's a guard. I don't think he has the the length or the, the lateralness. Uh, maybe he did at one time. I don't know, but I can't judge that. But I, what I saw, and I only was here for the end of the season, was I saw an inadequate right tackle. And I saw a replacement who was better. So what every football coach I've ever been around and i've been around a few good ones college yes been around some pro but but you know the the nick sabins of the world and the gene stallings of the world all say let's get our best five out there and i think kelly's one of the best five so that means conklin's either somewhere else among those five or he's behind those five and you don't make decisions on who you start, or you, winning teams don't make decisions on how much you're paying someone. That's I totally agree you with that. Your, you, you know, if, if the if the guy you picked up for a buck on free agency that was undrafted is better than the guy you're starting at, at any position, then you start the better player. Yeah, as someone who covered Conklin in college and could be, you know, um, referred to as a Conklin homer, uh, you know, some mm-hmm. some would would charge me with that. I'm not, but I did watch him. I watched him play Joey Bosa three times. Mm-hmm. He dominated Joey Bosa. I watched him, Randy Gregory, zero. Um, there's why he was a top ten pick. He wasn't a top ten pick because it's like some great walk on story or whatever. He's you and Rudy, I, you know, he's yeah, famous. right. Hey, it's it's let's yeah, Jack Conklin's no, he's a, he's a the heck guys of a Michigan player. State literally went and turned in their uniforms if they wouldn't. Start <laughs> <laughs> now you and I were in the press box, Tommy, when Alabama kicked Michigan State's butt all over the field in the in the college football playoff in 2015 season. But that and we had it, you know, actually that game because of how he performed, actually helped his drafts out. He was, and that was how it was sometimes when they played elite teams, Ohio State included. Um, so, but again, that's college. That's before the injury. So look, if, if Jet, to me, it's more likely Jet Conklin is the backup to Dennis Kelly. If he's not healthy, then he is at the guard. If he's healthy, if he's right, he is absolutely better than Dennis Kelly. There is no question. Yeah, I, I agree that his ceiling far and away is 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 a lot higher than Dennis Kelly's uh you know and even last year speaking to him you know after a lot of the struggles he said that yeah it took a little bit longer to come back to feel um you know fully like himself after the ACL tear even though uh, I think it was like the week after the week before he played he said he felt physically better right um think it's different to feel physically better versus you know going out and and playing the position and I think that that took some time and, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be, you know, a real sort of measuring stick to see where he is, you know, this April and training camp, you know, to see how far past he is the injury. Because I agree, I, you know, I think uh, Jack Conklin, when healthy, is, is far and away the, the better option. You've seen hashtag bad Conklin per, in, <laughs> right. in person. And I, and, and I really don't. I agree. Well, you, there, do there not were, agree with, you do not disagree with me that late in the season. Yeah, Kelly no, I don't. I, Kelly was better than that Conklin. I, we, agree on no, that, right? I, we do agree on that. Yeah. No, there were some, some games where I was like, boy, that just doesn't look like him. Now, was that, you know, then, of course, they shut him down. I'm sure there's some correlation. I don't know the exact 
sequence of events or how the knee when it acts up but I, I mean that's part of it and look i mean that's coming up here you know of course he's got a lot more money coming to him too and this is a huge season for him in terms of of his long-term future so i mean I, health is the thing but i just I don't think they view him yeah, as a guard. A club, the I'm, I'm good. I'm good for about eight, eight games a year. Club. <laughs> yeah. Also, he's 24. You know, it's not like he's he's super young. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you. That's a good transition, a good segue because it's amazing we've gone this far without talking about Tannehill, Mariota. Mm-hmm. Um, talking Tannehill. That's the name of yeah, the talking Tannehill. So let's talk Tannehill uh, again. I definitely saw. I know I should probably just not use Twitter as any sort of litmus test of how people think, but oh boy. I definitely saw a lot of, oh, now Mariota's going to get pushed, and he's finally going to, and I just, first of all, I mean, John Robinson, you wrote the yep. story, Eric. I yep. mean, he said, you know, he's coming as the backup. Now, would they be competing? Sure. I mean, competition's good, but Mariota's problem to me has never been that he doesn't want it enough, that he doesn't work hard enough, that he doesn't watch enough film. Those things are all 10 out of 10. Right. There, it's, it's can he be healthy and can he play well enough? I don't think Tannehill's presence is going to impact Mariota's play. And I don't think he's a better quarterback if they're both good. I do think that this is a heck of a move mm-hmm. because you have to assume at this point Mariota's missing some time. That's how I view it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I don't think there's anything more you can do to motivate a guy like Marcus Mariota. I don't think this like lights a fire under him or anything like that, especially – you know, he, he is playing for, for a contract. And uh, even beside that, I think he's a guy that's really self-motivated. You know, I don't think this move, you know, does much as far as his psyche in, in terms of, you know, how he plays. You know, and if he struggles now, the Titans do have a legitimate option. I think Tannehill is, you know, just looking around the league, probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. So, now that Nick Foles is not a backup, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's there's that element to it. But now, I, that, now that Fitz Magic's not a backup is what you meant to say. Yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think this, you know, lights a fire or anything like that. I think the fire has been lit and uh, can't really, you know, be any more lit than it is. Tommy, contrarian to, view. Tommy, to oh yes, here we go. Now, will this make Marcus Mariota spend more time watching film? No, or work harder in practice? No. Quarterbacks don't actually work that hard in practice. I don't know if you ever <laughs> get, get it. Fair, but will this make Marcus Mariota? In a situation like he was in late in the season where, gee, I got this nerve thing and my arm doesn't quite feel right, but Tuesday or Thursday or something, they said I could play, and I just said, no, nah, I'm good. Does that make him get out on the field if he worries about what Tannehill might do? So or, it's a bad thing. No, I think that's a good <laughs> thing. Um, you know, I think I've, I've seen enough quarterbacks play through incredible play. I've seen them play with broken ribs, I mean, and still perform. I don't know if the nerve thing stops him from doing that. I'm more leery that the that the solution for the nerve thing was he needs to rest because he ain't going to get to rest when the season starts. And if it recurs, that means there's no other medical solution. They chose the – if there was a surgical solution to what's wrong with you, if you've torn an ACL and they can repair it, you can come back from it. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if, you have, if you're a pitcher and you have Tommy John surgery and it takes, you can come back and be a pitcher. If you've got a nerve problem that the only antidote for is don't play him, then eventually you're probably, if it recurs, then they don't play you. Um, but, but I wonder, I guess, I, I guess you could say I'm questioning his toughness. Where, where is he willing to go out in a game that could, makes the difference between going to the playoffs and not 
and say, yeah, I'm going to tough this out because I've seen guys who've toughed some things out. And is he more likely to do it when Blaine Gabbert's not the guy sitting behind there? Because I could see a scenario where Mariota goes down in week five or is not ready to play in week six for a medical reason. And Tanny Hall has a good game. And then he has another one. And much like with Tampa this past year, okay, Mariota's ready to play and the other guy's doing pretty good. I'm not really where, you know, I brought him in as a backup, but now he's the starter. I think I'm going to stick with him because I'm going to go with a hot hand. And if I'm Mariota, I might not want to open that door because let's face it, there was absolutely no fear that Blaine Gabbert was ever going to take anybody's job. So you're suggesting, I want to make sure I have this clear, that in the last game of the year, playing for the playoffs, when by all accounts this was taken out of Mariota's hands, had he had a backup that he thought could beat him out for the job the following season, might he been, might have gone might, out. Might and, not have been on the last game, but there might have been somewhere earlier. Look, I Eric, want to Eric, protest everything you just said. Eric, it's remind, under me, mm-hmm. remind me what went on that last week. Was there not a day that last week when they said it looked like he's going to play? There was wasn't there a day that week when he was out there practicing full? It wasn't until I think it was Friday of that week, like way late in the week that, you know, all of a sudden we were like, OK, maybe he his arm fall play. off. You were at practice. Did, did they have to pick it up off the ground? Nope. It okay. was some sort of medical information. Right. That that, that caused the, yeah. all of this. Could it have been? You know, Marcus saying, "Well, actually, I don't. Play. I, I don't buy that at all. I don't. Would I don't Stabler buy." Stabler have played. <laughs> they didn't even <laughs> have X-rays back then, yeah. man. They gave him a cigarette and sent him back out there. Exactly. No, I'm, I mean, I just, you know, I think he. My my gut says if he could play on Friday, he could play on Sunday, or Monday was it? I don't remember. It was a Sunday night game? I yeah, think. Sunday yeah. night. My gut says if he could play on Friday, nothing happened. He didn't get hit. We know that. Did they start doing tests on Saturday morning? Yeah, maybe it just locked up. I don't know. But I'm I'm thinking, yeah, last game of the year might not have made a difference. But in in week eight, when you worry about where you're going to, I feel like I'll be okay in a few weeks. But again, like if that, but but if that's that is the impact, a, your that quite, might your make it was, worse, right? What what you're saying? Well, I don't know if it can get worse if he well, can't finish the season. He can't finish the season. I, hey, it's I better. agree. It's better if Tanny Hill can replace him than if Gabbert can replace him. Yeah, I think. But I'm saying it's worse. But it, but I'm saying if, if here's the thing, Mar- Mariota, I believe I, I don't think his que- toughness should be questioned at all. And and I and I think that he has tried. He has been the guy who's no put me back in, like he did at the Miami game, mm-hmm. and they shouldn't have put him back in because he couldn't even feel the ball and he's sailing. But no, no, I'm going to play. I think to me it's it's more to his detriment, you know, if he feels like, oh, I've got to go in there. I don't think he's like, oh, eh, well, hangnail, no thanks. It's just not him. I, it's, now you can criticize his play all day. I don't think any of the intangibles are are up for debate. I really don't. If being able to finish a season, if durability is an intangible, then I disagree. Well, okay, I think but that's let's, a tangible. Let's go back to where we were, where we fine. were on this podcast, what a month, month and a half ago, when we were talking. And this year's all about Marcus Mariota, right? It's to decide if he's your guy, and they're adding these pieces to say there's no excuses. We've had this conversation before, right? right. Well, if he if he checks out or is checked out or gets knocked out of four to six games here, the answer is he's not your guy. You can't go through another year of Marcus can't get through fit through a season and say, well, I think if we just give him one more year, you've, you've, you've answered your question. This year is all about can he be effective and get through a season. That doesn't mean he doesn't miss half a game. But if he misses the same amount of the season as he did last year, 
then I think your answer is you, he's not your franchise quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, unless he has like yeah. a perfect QB rating in every other game. But yeah, I mean, I, I would not agree. Happen. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, he's good. He can be good. He cannot be perfect. He cannot be Joe Montana Super Bowl prime. He's, that's not his ceiling. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think he's got to demonstrate better play. But yeah, durability is probably as so. Looking as, at it not from a personal standpoint, but from a franchise standpoint, whether he goes out there when he's not 100% and plays does make a difference. If he can be effective, even if he can't be as effective, he he has to be out there this year, right? Yeah, but so so when we're talking about the Tannehill as an I mean, it's already that situation for him no matter who the backup is. It's already Yeah, but we have to I got to prove gotta it. Play. I yeah. got to show it. I, you know, I don't care if it's Well, this might help him make that decision is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because look, two I mean, against the one. Other, <laughs> the other thing here is we have to watch these games regardless. And I would much rather watch Daniel <laughs> come off the bench than I would watch Blaine Gabbert. This is true. Yeah. We all can yeah, agree yeah, on this. I mean, I, I've seen some AAF ball, <laughs> and I don't want to see that on Sundays in the fall. So, you know, Tannehill is a good pickup because the one thing is not, though, and, and I, this is a thing I really like, if I've got a gimpy or whatever, you a quarterback who's my starter who has a history of injury and missing time, I would like a more durable guy than Tanny Hill. That's the thing. He's missed yeah, a lot right. of time. Right. You're getting a, a, a injury prone backup for an injury. You're, hope, you're hoping that each of them misses half a season and it matches up just right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? One of them is healthy at, at that moment. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. Last thing then. Just, but he is an NFL quarterback. He is. And, and I think to your point, Eric, maybe the best number two in the league. Last thing. The, with the draft now, I mean, it looks pretty obvious that we've talked about the strength of the draft. And looks like they're probably going to be dipping into the strength of the draft when they get to the draft. Agree? Yes. I mean, I think you know edge rusher is the way to go. Again, like I was, I was pretty shocked when I saw the Cameron Wake news. Uh, you know, I thought before that it was, you know, it was kind of, you know, very obvious the, the direction the Titans were going to go in the draft. Uh, I still think they they might take a look at a guy like uh, Garrett uh, Bradbury from uh, NC State Center. I think he's a guy that could really, really give them a boost uh, on the offensive line. You know, I think it's early for a pick like that, but that would set Nashville ablaze if they go that way. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's just kind of looking at the fact that they're 19th, and a lot of the top edge rushing guys could be gone by then. So you've got to consider, you know, the the best option at that point in the draft. Kind of depends on who falls. We saw. You know, a guy like Montez Sweat now has a, a parking lot yeah. you know, that they saw. So. That Maurice Hurst had a year ago, which is interesting. Right. So we'll kind of see who falls, who doesn't. But I think he, he's a guy to keep an eye on, Bradbury. Uh, other than that, though, I think it's it's pretty set up for them to go the edge rusher or just help on the D-line route, just from, from what we've seen so far in free agency. Contrarian? Punter? No, no, they definitely need DL. Um, if you don't, if I, I say, I reiterate what I said last time. I think it was is, I would not. I would get the elite defensive tackle over the guy that you don't rate as high as an end, just because you need an getting an edge rusher who doesn't improve you a lot because you need an edge rusher is not the way to go. And they do have needs on the interior. DL. Oh, no so, doubt. So if they end up coming out with with a top flight interior deal because you know some of those guys have 10 12 years careers oh and if you if you had one next to casey yeah i mean that's that that makes casey better i will say this if 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 a lot of next season and going forward as long as he's going to be around is about beating luck let's start with taking away the run game 
because yeah. the last time we saw them play, it wasn't like Luck had to throw for 400 yards. It was he had, yeah, he got going. to throw on third and two a lot and yeah. and second and four and stuff because they had the running game going. So yeah. take that away. And the last one, of course, without Casey. But, yeah, right. and, and, and take away the run game and get that pressure up the middle, which right. is – Right, you know, but yeah, if there's an elite, so if there's a guy that you think can make, you know, be your best edge pass rusher there, absolutely take it. But somewhere between end and end uh, on the defensive line is my first pick, the very best available guy. And if that's a DT, I have, I am not saying they screwed that up. Yeah. Um, if you know, if, if the best pass rusher happens to fall to you, take him or or one that you really like. But by all means, take a DT if that's the best player available. Mm-hmm. So we end in harmony and agreement on talking. Titans episode, Talking Tannehill. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon. Talking Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talking Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talking Titans is a production of the Tennessean.